You're listening to the Wanderlust Swingers Podcast with Aussie hosts Kate and Daryl. If you're curious about exploring your sexuality or the swinging, hot wifing and non-monogamous lifestyle, you've definitely come to the right podcast. Or maybe you just love travel adventures. Either way, we share our personal, sometimes juicy, sexy stories as well as swingers club and event reviews, interviews with other sassy people and of course our global swinging adventures. We try to bring you a look into the diverse lifestyle that the swinging and non-monogamous community has. We hope you enjoy. Now Let's get into the episode. G'day and welcome to a bonus episode of the Wanderlust Swingers podcast. We just returned from a whopping 21 days away visiting hedonism in Jamaica, visiting Canada and visiting New York City. And in the upcoming episodes, we're going to talk all about our time away our reviews, our sexy fun, what we thought about it. So we went to a club in Toronto, the Oasis Aqua Lounge. We went to a club in Montreal, Club L. We visited that with the Honey Spoons. And we spent a week at Hedonism Jamaica for the first time ever at that resort. So those are the episodes that are coming up soon. Lots of sexy, fun, lots of really interesting information that we hope to share with you guys. What we thought was really great, what we thought could do better. We're going to share all of that with you in the upcoming episode. But today's episode is a bonus episode. Originally, we shared this on Patreon for exclusively for our patrons as a behind the scenes thank you for them supporting us. But the feedback that we had from multiple patrons was that they wanted us to publish the behind the scenes interview on our podcast. And so that's what today is. We were interviewed or I was interviewed by a journalist in the United Kingdom following a TikTok that went viral. And at the time I had no idea whether or not the interview would even translate into an article. I had no idea whether or not they would publish anything about it and certainly what they would publish. I did record it with their permission and that's what I'm sharing today. This behind the scenes phone conversation with this journalist and It did actually get published. So this article has actually been in over 30 online publications to date. Most notably is the New York Post. It was recently out there. And so I'm going to share that in the show notes. I'm only going to share the New York Post one because there's no point sharing the one from Jamaica or the one in Wales or anything like that. I'm just going to share the New York Post. So have a listen to this audio that I'm going to share here and then go maybe read the article. Like I said, the link's in the show notes. And I want to know whether or not you thought that the conversation with the journalist translated well in the article. But secondly, I want to know whether or not you thought we represented the lifestyle well, or whether we've missed some bits and pieces or perhaps misrepresented the lifestyle. Feel free to email us, email at wanderlustswingers.com. Would love, love, love to hear from you guys. Interestingly enough, after this article was actually published in these 30 online publications, I've actually had a further three journalists reach out to us warning interviews and and wanting to kind of do some some work with us and I'm hoping one of them might actually be women's health cross your fingers for us because I would absolutely love to talk about female empowerment in the women's health magazine I don't know it would be awesome like that would be super highlight massive highlight for me so have a listen it is recorded on my phone so the audio is not crystal clear amazing like studio quality don't get me wrong it's still absolutely perfectly listenable It's just not going to be the usual level of quality that you might get from a recording directly in a microphone. But otherwise, I'm going to leave you with the interview. Like I said, coming up, we have a week of hedonism to talk about. We have a single male night at Oasis Aqualand in Toronto to talk about. We have Club L to talk about with the Honey Spoons. That's all coming up on our next few episodes. But in the meantime, going to leave you with this. If you guys did want to support us and get behind the scenes with everything else, please head over to patreon.com forward slash swinging down under. Again, if you check the show notes, that link is in there and that is $5 a month to support us as well as get all the behind the scenes. So we hope that you guys enjoy this. Let me know. Drop me an email. Hope you guys are having a fantastic month and we're back very, very soon with all of the travel antics. Okay, bye guys. Hello, Kate speaking. Hi. Okay, it's Lydia. Sorry about that. Can you hear me better now? Yeah, that's heaps better. Sorry, it's because honestly, everyone normally works, most days people work from home. So I think today everyone's excited to see each other. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Thanks. Just to let you know, I am recording the call as well. I just wanted to put that out there before we start chatting, just so you know. Oh, yeah. So that's that's fine, of course. Um, so yeah, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. So I work for SWNS, um, we're a UK-based press agency, mm-hmm. um, and we write stories. And what we do is like publish them 
um, in all the sort of major news outlets, so the Nationals here in the UK, the Independent Mail Online, and then we have sort of more local, smaller clients too. So, yeah, we'd be hoping to write something up and then hopefully get your story out there. In, um, we can't, like, say for sure who would pick it up, but it could basically be go anywhere if that's all okay with you. Yep. We've actually been in a few articles in the past um it's been a while since we've actually been in an article but uh, yeah we're quite we're quite used to being interviewed on either radio stations or in in news articles it's not uncommon oh, be- particularly with the rise of ethical non-monogamy showing up in mainstream media um as, yeah. as, you, as you can imagine the more it shows up in mainstream media the more people are interested in it um you know even in yeah, the last definitely. in the last nine months you can probably see more than 10 articles in cosmopolitan for example just talking about uh, ethical non-monogamy so so it's um, definitely a hot topic oh, yeah, at the definitely. moment. Definitely. So, yeah, that's why I wanted to speak to you today. If you could, I don't know, take me back. So what is your partner's name? I know you're Kate. Yes. I just know what, you're Kate and what's your partner's name? Daryl. Daryl. How do I spell Daryl? D-A-R-R-E-L-L. Yeah, if you just can take me back to where it all began when you first met, really. Okay, yeah, so we met about 14 years ago, roughly 14, 15 mm-hmm. years ago, and uh, we started uh, dating, dating monogamously, and then became a monogamous couple, you know, dating a little bit mm-hmm. and then became an actual couple, you know, moving into that relationship status, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then we were living together in a monogamous relationship, had moved states, we're actually both from Australia, and uh, okay. f- about five years into our relationship, we decided to talk about fantasies and what our right. uh, life would look like. And, and Did we, you say this was five months in? Five, five years, years, five years. Five years in, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's quite common for us to talk about all facets of our life, you know, what we would like to do for mm-hmm. work, where we would want to live, what, what our life looks like basically. And one day that led us to talking mm-hmm. about sexual fantasies and we started uh, researching mm-hmm. different kinds of sexual fantasies and then we decided to enter the ethically non-monogamous or consensually non-monogamous lifestyle and researching a little bit more about that and visiting a few clubs in uh, Sydney, Australia. And then since then, we Mm -hmm. have relocated countries a number of times. We're currently based in the Netherlands and we have been to clubs around the world, swingers resorts around the world. We host our own hotel takeovers around the world with some two to 300 people at them over multiple like four days and um, and we started our podcast uh, seven years ago really fairly early on into our journey and the reason we initially started it was because there wasn't a lot of international voices. There were a few American podcasts about the swinging lifestyle but very few, mm-hmm. very few that looked at either the Australian approach or other cultures outside of America and so we started that seven some some seven years ago. We actually just had our seven year podcast anniversary in July. Oh, congrats! Yeah, and um, and then since then it's just been, I guess, a looking at more of a global look as as we move around the world. We've lived in Asia. Um, we lived in Croatia. We're now in the Netherlands, and we travel a lot. So. Um, that's why we changed our name. Originally, we were called Swinging Down Under, uh, just, you know, mm-hmm. the Aussie kind of touch on it. And then we changed it to the Wanderlust mm-hmm. Swingers because we do travel so much and we do try to bring, uh, you know, some of that cultural differences in, in into our podcast. Um, so that's really in a nutshell, in a very, very quick nutshell, um, where we are today as a couple. So we've been together for over 13 years uh, or just about that. And seven of those have been spent non-monogamous and uh, five, right. seven and a half actually. And then five and a half have been spent as a monogamous couple. And um, when did you sort of first decide like monogamy just isn't for us anymore? There is another option. It was during those fantasy discussions. So we started talking about fantasies and we looked into, you know, if you go online right now and you Google like the top 10 fantasies, you'll find things, <laughs> things like threesomes and stuff like that popping up in, mm-hmm. in, in those mm-hmm. fantasies. And each of them we went down, we went down and we just had a look and we said, you know, is this, for, is this interesting to us? Is it not interesting to us? And yeah. we, we just started to explore that. And from there we went to a club to see what does this even look like? You know, how, how does this even work? And it is all about really educating yourselves and communicating, you know, what what your desires are or, or are not because 
there is a lot of misinformation out there about what swinging is mm. and uh, and what yeah. the and what non-monogamy is and and how then and there is a really large umbrella too there's not if you look at the different ways people approach non-monogamy it's very different amongst one person to the next and so we started exploring well what does this actually look like for us and and then started going on dates with other couples and that's kind of uh where where we kind of started and then we there wasn't really a switch where we said oh we're now all of a sudden like it's not like a switch <laughs> a light switch where you go yeah here i am walking over the line and now all of a sudden i hate monogamy and i'm non-monogamous that's not at all what mm-hmm. what we did uh it's also not something that i profess i, I don't think that non-monogamy is for everybody and and similarly i don't Mm -hmm. i don't think monogamy is for everybody so we didn't kind of make the switch of like okay we're now non-monogamous and and stuff non stuff monogamy you know that's just kind of the 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 difference in our relationship now and and whether it will remain that way forever who knows you know we don't mark anything off the list so we certainly try not to uh put ourselves in in a box too much and how would you define, I know you've used the term um, ethical non-monogamy, how would you define that and how would you define your personal style of non-monogamy? Yeah, so if you look under non-monogamy as as the umbrella term, a lot of stuff falls mm-hmm. under this. So you've got things like polyamory, you've got things like cuckold mm-hmm. relationships, hot wife relationships, there's a whole host of things that fall under the broad term non-monogamy. The reason I use the term mm-hmm. ethical non-monogamy is because of the right. fact society generally is quite happy to accept the cheating husband or the cheating wife or the cheating person, and that is non-monogamy, but it's unethical non-monogamy. Um, <laughs> you'll often find that if you go online and someone's cheated, it's like, oh, it's okay, they, they slipped up a little bit, but they love you, it's fine. Um, but then if you start talking about things like ethical non-monogamy, where we've had a very open adult conversation, all of a sudden people get very, very upset about that you're doing that. So that's why we use that term. Uh, Basically, it means to us that we've had a discussion together on what our sexual preferences look like, what our fantasies look like, what our approach to the lifestyle looks like. And that's kind of how we've molded that. And it, it is adapting and it is changing, you know, just because you know, today you might be interested in couples only doesn't mean that later down the track you might be interested in playing with a, a single male or single female. Um, and so the way we, we approach it is that we we communicate always, we talk to each other about what we're interested in and, and we go through this journey together as a couple unit. So we talk about what we would like to do together. And and so the way we identify really is, is ethical non-monogamy, but we are also a hot wife couple. So um, we dabble into the hot wife lifestyle as well. Can you just quickly explain to me what um, hot wife hot wife couple means? Yeah, it is It is a really difficult term. Um, again, it's very fluid. You know, you ask one person to the next what that mm-hmm. means means to them and they're probably going to have a different answer. I just want to precursor that. Um, a lot of people get hot wifing and cockholding um, mixed up together too. So I'll give you my my thoughts on the matter. Basically, okay. the way that we approach it is that we play with single men and my husband has a lot of compersion for me receiving pleasure and interest from other guys and oftentimes we will, not oftentimes, sometimes we play with single men and generally my husband is involved in that. So that can be a threesome and um, or it'll just be, say, us. us. Sometimes I play solo, but that is very, very rare. What was that? So sometimes you... Sometimes I play solo, so I might go on a, on okay. a date with a single guy on my own, but that is very rare. Okay. It's only three times in seven years, so I wouldn't call that a common occurrence. And when you first started swinging, tell me about your first ever experience and what was it like? Uh, yep. So, I mean, that's going back some seven years, but um, it, <laughs> so our, our first experience um, was visiting a swingers club in Sydney. And we walked through the doors of the swingers club and signed in and put our stuff in a locker and went upstairs. And basically a swingers club on the inside looks like a bar, like any other bar. And mm-hmm. um, and it just hap- so happens that it might have playrooms either downstairs, upstairs or at the back sort of thing. And uh, and so we, we went in, we got a drink and we started talking to the other people that were there. And it was a couples only night. So no singles were permitted. We played some pool. We spoke to people. We found out about their journeys, asked them questions because we're brand new. We didn't know anything. And um, and then, yeah, just danced and, and see, see how we felt. We took a walk around the playrooms and had the opportunity to play a voyeur. So have a look. What what are people doing? Again, is this exciting to us? Is this nerve wracking? Mm-hmm. Is it is it terrifying? Um, and, and that good thing about the clubs is that you're not 
forced obviously to do anything with anybody. So it is not a place where you have to walk in and immediately have sex with some random person that you don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, clubs are very, very safe, consensual environments. Um, and so we we walked and we talked and we drank and we danced and we played pool and and just decided to see how it how it felt. And uh, in the end, we did get in the hot tub with another few couples and just spoke to them and and basically left. So that was our first experience in the swinging lifestyle, which involved no sex, um, which a lot of people have a misconception about. Um, and mm, then and you know. Yeah. And then we were going to the club. There was two clubs in Sydney at the time. We went to the other club. We found that the other club was our preference over the two uh, in terms of the the types of people there and their approach and their age bracket. At the time, I was, I was 29. <laughs> so their approach mm-hmm. was really important to us as well to see if they were similar to us. And um, and that kind of became our home club. And and then we, we met a few more people there. They asked us what our dating handle was, to which we replied, what the fuck is a dating handle? And... <laughs> And, uh, and then found out there's whole websites dedicated to finding other people that are in alternative relationships. And so then we set up a dating profile. Oh, and started, really? Started Do you dating. have a name of one of those that oh. is like, well, is it like a Tinder almost for swingers? Uh, absolutely. So the one in the UK, the most popular one in the UK is called Fab Swingers, F-A-B Swingers, fabswingers.com. Fab Swingers. Yeah. Oh, cool. It's, I mean, that that one is a, um, a very UK-driven site because, again, all the different sites uh, around the world are different depending – depending on the country, mm-hmm. depending on the state. So, for example, in, in the United States of America, you've got kind of five more dominant sites. In Australia, we've got really one dominant dominant site. In Europe here, we've got a very common site called sdc.com. It really does depend where you are, but because you're from the UK, I'll give you the fabslingers.com. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. And what, that first experience, like how did you feel? Were you kind of scared about? Oh, yeah, terrified. Was it daunting? <laughs> yeah, ter- terrified because, again, the way that sometimes this sort of thing is portrayed in, in media is, is doesn't have the best light on it. You know, you see a lot of a lot of uh, drama, you know. You see a lot of um, the old, you know, keys in a bowl, ha-ha thing, you know. So back mm. back, back then, seven years ago even, there was just really a really negative stigma on, and representation on what this looked like in, in reality, you know. And so knocking on that that door the first time and signing in absolutely I was I was terrified because I thought some you know hairy chested gold necklace wearing dude was going to come out of like the area with his shirt unbuttoned and you know with a big beer belly and expect me to fuck him so um (laughs) and it's just it's not not the case at all you know we've met people from all walks of life uh, everybody from a a bricklayer or receptionist right through to politicians movie stars etc so it really does have everybody in it in the lifestyle there is uh, the lifestyle itself or alternative relationships it's just a subset of society and um how many how often do you like swing with your husband it it depends it depends on what we're doing where we're traveling to um, if we're mm-hmm. working working and traveling so it, it it really is up and down you know sometimes it might be uh once or twice a month sometimes it's no times a month it is dependent on what we're doing, where we're travelling to and and what we're interested in at the time. So, you know, there were periods there kind of when we were a little bit maybe newer in the first, maybe in the between the first and second year or second or third year where we probably swung significantly more um, just mm-hmm. because it's, it's very exciting to try something new and meet everybody and everything else. Um, but it is it is dependent. You know, we just got back from a, a, trip, in, a trip in London. We were hosting 100 swingers there at, in London City at an event. And uh, and this Friday we're off to hedonism in Jamaica, where there's going to be some four five hundred wow. four five hundred swingers are going to be at this resort in Jamaica this this weekend that we're going to. So, um, you know, we'll see if there's anybody there we like and and are interested in, and and then we may play. We're going to be there for seven days, so we'll see what happens. And um, how many countries have you swung in around the world? Do you have <laughs> an estimate? I, I did write an article about that um, a couple of years ago, and I think at the time it was twenty early 20s, like 22, 23 countries. Um, it's probably increased since then just because we do travel so much. So uh, I'm going to say over 20, but I don't – honestly, I don't know the actual number. I would have to exactly. sit down and physically work it out. Okay. <laughs> and what is the difference – like have you noticed sort of um, big differences between oh. the mentalities of swingers where you, it depends on what country you swing in. Oh, 100%. So if you look at um, 
Let's take Asia. So if you look at Asia, for example, okay. in, in Singapore there is a high uh, population of expats that live there. And so then you've got mm-hmm. really um, – you've got generally a, a multi multicultural relationship. So there may be one person who's from Asia, maybe one person who's Western. And so you carry their very different opinions or different uh, approaches to the lifestyle. There's also not a lot of information in Asia about the lifestyle. And so mm-hmm. let's let's now go from Singapore to Malaysia or Thailand where swinging is 100% illegal and will put you get you put in jail. A lot of people wow, and have you actually swung there? We have swung there, um, but we swing. There's no club. Oh my God, was that scary? No, because again, we're not out. You know, the, it's the clubs and it's the big parties that if you, oh, okay. yeah, if you look okay. online or you Google this sort of stuff, and you, there is actually, well, there used to be a club in Thailand that would get constantly raided by the police, and so you'll see often in the again in the news articles they'll be like massive orgy broken up and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so in those countries, it is very underground. There's no clubs. Um, there's mm-hmm. no big parties. There's certainly no hotel takeovers like what we arrange. It's just mainly couples meeting mm-hmm. meeting other couples. And um, and and then if you go to uh, other countries around, like say Japan, they actually do have uh, they they are clubs where they're called happening bars. And with right. those, with those ones, you can't get in unless you speak fluent Japanese. So there, um. you know, aside from those main differences, there is a very different cultural um, approach down there as well, and it comes from being, uh, I guess, told that, you know, sex is for, for uh, making babies, for procreation only, and, and uh, sex mm-hmm. is not a pleasurable thing. So in Singapore, for example, they're one of the highest countries in the world vag- with vaginismus, um, and that's purely because the women are told from a very young age that their vulva is disgusting and don't touch it, you know, et cetera. So there's a lot of sexual shame that comes with those countries. And then if you flip it on its head and you're here in the Netherlands, people don't bat an eyelid. Um, you can be in the LGBTQIA+. Um, you can identify that way. People don't bat an eyelid. You can identify as in the lifestyle. People don't bat an eyelid because it is very open here in terms of their sexuality, even their body. Nudity here is not really a big a big deal. You know, it's quite often we'll be walking the canals in the sunshine and people will have their tops off and no one's staring because it's just very normal. You go to the south of France, you've got Carpe d'Arc down there that has 40,000 people that go there every year and that live there um, throughout the summer period. And again... It's just part of life down there. There is no difference between somebody who chooses to be monogamous, someone who's a nudist, someone who's in a polyamorous relationship, someone who's a swinger. Everybody just kind of goes, okay, that's your bag. It's not mine. No harm, no foul. So there's not. Yeah, so there's not a lot of um, stigma uh, and taboo down there. And then you go to somewhere like the United States of America where. Swingers clubs are, uh, I would say, prevalent in terms of there's there's gen- there's quite a few. <laughs> you know, they're pretty well everywhere and mm. in the major mm-hmm. cities at least. And uh, it is becoming more and more accepted. But what I will say with uh, particularly the religious side of the United States that there still is yeah. there still is a lot of stigma there. Um, and I'd say the same thing about the United Kingdom. You know, whilst you guys have I think about thirty or forty clubs in in England mm. um, just on mm-hmm. its own. You know, you, you are brought up through a very religious background and so there is a little bit of that, I guess, that stigma or that shame that kind of can come along with that. I think that. we're quite, as a society, we're quite prudish as well, yeah, I you, would say. You say that, but again, you've got some 30 some or 20 or 30 clubs uh, just in England That's and true. you've got, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of people on the on the swinger site. So um, not everybody there is a prude, that's for sure. <laughs> It's just kind of more secret, isn't it, I guess? It's not, would you say there's very much still a stigma about swinging and being open to explore, like, sexual fantasies here in the UK? So, I th- again, kind of going back to that that cheating side of things, you know, I, I think it's mm. it's it's almost accepted that, and we'll, we'll go with younger people, let's call them in their, in their 20s, 20s to 30s, it's, mm-hmm. ge- it's generally accepted that you'll get on a timber and go have sex with somebody on a Saturday night and people don't even bat an eyelid. Yeah. You know, they're just like, oh, that's because you're in your 20s and you're just, you know, you're floozing around. The interesting thing about that is people on those apps generally tend to have sex more often than somebody in the swinging lifestyle. And But, mm-hmm. it, is, but it is just that we hold this, I guess, you know, one – set of rules for somebody over there and then a whole other set of rules for for somebody um, over here. So it is, I guess, starting to become less stigmatised, but what I will say, the Mm. reason that people aren't actively saying that they're open or in these kinds of relationships are because of the way that society will respond to you. Um, 
and also because of things like morality clauses in contracts. You know, depending on the country that you live in, this is not a protected state. So you being a, you know, quote-unquote swinger could get you fired. Mm. So a lot of people are afraid to come out wow. and, and, and advise that this is what they are. Um, you know, if you saw my TikTok, you would have seen the <laughs> the horrible, horrible, horrible comments about my physical appearance um, and just the way I choose to live my lifestyle. And, and that's another reason people don't decide to come out. You know, there is still a lot of people out there who – don't appreciate that you're sharing this um, alternative lifestyle or alternative relationship and and along with that can come issues with things like your employment contract. And is that something like people have spoken to you about? They've actually risked losing their jobs because of their, because they're in alternative sort of relationships or oh, yeah. swingers. Yeah, we've had, we've had school teachers wow. in the United States lose their jobs. Um, I know three actually now that have lost their jobs because they have been um, doxxed or outed as being in a swinging lifestyle. Um, we've had people who are maybe going through a divorce and they've split with their partner sort of two years ago and they've found a new partner and, mm. and then the, the ex has found out they're in the swinging lifestyle and then used it against them to try and get the children. Um, wow. You know, with it, it is an absolute, it is still there as a, a very risky thing for people to be open about this, which is why one of the most common questions we receive um, through the podcast is what do I do if I get outed or what do I do if I go to a club and I see somebody there I know? You know, that is a very common question for us because people do live in fear that they this will impact their the other areas of their life. And what is your answer to that question? So generally if, you, if you're going to see somebody, let's take the easy one out, which is you're going to see somebody at a club. If you're seeing somebody mm-hmm. at a club, you're both there. So there's there's kind of mutual destruction there, isn't there? So I I, yeah. I think that's less of a concern. I mean, it is a bit awkward, don't get me wrong. Um, that's going to be <laughs> awkward for you guys come around the water cooler on Monday morning. But um, <laughs> but for me, you're both there. So, you know, there's less yeah. chance that that person's going to do anything. Now, if you take instead, maybe you're on social media, maybe you're on a dating app right? And somebody sees Mm -hmm. you on a dating app. So I always tell people, if you are genuinely worried about that sort of thing, then there are ways to protect yourself. So using a separate email address is definitely the first one. Create your own Gmail account specifically for the swinging lifestyle. Never use your same, you know, your same email account um, because regardless, regardless of what Facebook and Instagram, et cetera, says about um, comparing accounts, they do, and they will recommend your lifestyle account to other people in your address book and that can be friends and family and and from mm-hmm. from there as well as if you're setting up your dating profile like don't share the same photo that you've got on your Facebook profile for example like don't share yeah. don't share common things that are in your household you know if you've got a very um, obvious painting in the background probably don't put that in your dating profile because people can put two and two together if you have massive bespoke tattoos don't put them in the photos on your profile because, again, they are easily identifiable. So those are some of the ways that you can try to protect yourself uh, online. And I do say to people, if you are really, really worried about it, just don't go on social media at all. Um, have your dating profile set up and have go on sites where it does have a paywall so people can't see your account unless they're paying for it. Okay. No, that all sounds like really good um, advice. And going back to your, like, personal swinging journey you said before, like you and your husband speak through about absolutely everything so is this like is this something you recommend to all swinging couples that they speak that they speak together on it or if they like so say I don't know you said you've only played three times with other men without your husband there but would you always tell your husband hey like I've met this guy like we want to go on a date like is this okay with you is that something you do every time Oh yeah. So when, when I actually go on a single guy date on my own, it's my husband who sets them mm-hmm. up. It's, it's him that's actually, f- oh, yeah. So, okay. yeah. So we, we do choose to do this together, but it's not something that I say, I, I don't, wouldn't recommend it that way because I think again, okay. everybody is, is very different. Some people yeah. really get off on the mystery of it. We have friends where she will go out and play without her husband's knowledge because that's right. that's their kink. They really like that. They've, I mean, they've discussed it. Obviously, he he knows because he's said this is really exciting to me. But she'll go off and play, and he has no idea if she has or has not. And so that might be okay, that yeah. might be how they approach it. Whereas another couple, they might approach it that she goes off and plays, and she comes back and tells her husband everything. 
you know, um, and then he Very might difficult. he yeah. might be interested in that. Or my husband could be there, you know. So it, it is what I would say is communicate what is interesting or what your desires are. That's the easiest way to get to the bottom of this. So I wouldn't recommend you do it the way we do it. What I do suggest is that you talk about what you want and then collectively as a, as a couple unit decide what that then looks like and whether or not you're both comfortable with how that looks. And for you, um, you and your husband, what is your kind of like favourite um, kind of swing and like what are your kinks? Um, so we really used to like, um, so when we, when we had some stability in where we lived, we love what's called a puppy pile, mm-hmm. a puppy pile. And what that basically means is that a you've, puppy pile, a puppy pile. yeah. So you've got a group of people okay. that they may have met each other before. They may have been out on dates or maybe they know it, you know, they're, they're okay. They're comfortable with each other. They probably are very mm-hmm. similar. They probably find each other attractive and it's just a very fluid environment. So, you know, there could be said, let's argue that it's, it's three women, three men. And uh, I'm mm-hmm. actually I'm actually bisexual, and I like everybody in that okay, yeah. in, in that group. So then we would, you know, I might might be kissing her, and then I might go play with him, or I might play with a couple together in that environment where it's it's very um, just easy and open and enjoyable. You know, um, those are fantastic. They're very difficult to find because you have to get a group of people mm-hmm. that like each other, that find each other attractive. You know, feel the same way, etc. Um, but that's probably the the best option. Um, we also just like playing with with or meeting with couples. Um, that's really fun as as well. Uh, we've met quite a few nice couples here in the Netherlands recently that are very similar to us. Love to travel, love to experience new things, and so that's just great. You know, we go out for drinks at a bar and we can sit down for three hours talking about our various travel, you know, <laughs> randomness where you accidentally bribe yeah. a bribe a Mexican police officer to get down a mountain, like those kinds of random things. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, you know, we, we may or may not go back home and play. It does depend. Just like a date, really. It is a date. Yeah, it is absolutely a date. Um, and what, what are your favourite things about your lifestyle and swinging? Um, meeting new people and I think being more open to having conversations with both your partner and other people. I think often, you know, we wear a lot of masks in in life, mm-hmm. you know, we wear a mask to work. We wear a mask at, you know, parties with other people, and and we don't tend to really often let ourselves come through. It's it's pretty rare that you'll find somebody quickly meet them and then have some actual meaningful conversations that are above the surface level crap of what do you do for life and where do you live mm-hmm. and how do you earn money. And so, one of my favorite things is, especially with this trip coming up, it's a nude resort. So for me, it's being in the Pool, having a cocktail and talking to people from all walks of life who just happen to be nude and just deciding that, hey, what, you know, having these deeper, meaningful conversations about life, the universe and everything rather than that surface stuff, I guess. That's one of my favourite, favourite parts about the swing and lifestyle is that everybody is quite disarmed because we're all there because just trying to be who we truly are and have a, have a good time and meet some interesting people along the way. No, that's really that's such an interesting point actually. I do think because you're naked you're instantly more sort of your truer, more vulnerable self. Well, if you think about it this way, especially coming from a female's perspective, because we are judgmental and, and that's the way we're brought up, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. We size each other up. You think about the last time you went to a party, you, you, you're looking across, you're looking at multiple women and you're immediately sizing them up. You're sizing up their hair, their jewellery, their watch, yeah. their bag, their clothing, their heels. Or makeup, all of that, you are immediately sizing these women up to decide whether or not where they sit in the hierarchy uh, uh, compared to you. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and, and you know, as a result of that, people become quite competitive, et cetera, and are quite mean. In the, in the swinging lifestyle, I have found that people are uplifting. Women support each other. They support each other's body shape. You know, um, we support each other's adventures. We are in the bathrooms at swingers clubs just talking to each other and and you know being being honest and being deep and not seeing competitive nature and not judging somebody so that is a a really beautiful thing you know I think that you have the ability to make genuine friendships but also drop some of that crap that I guess society pushes on you Uh, and then finally I do want to say that being in the lifestyle too um, can open up some of your sexuality so we have a lot of people Mm -hmm. who identify in the LGBT space 
that um, may have chosen the swinging lifestyle because they are wanting to explore that side of themselves. It doesn't mean they don't love their partner. It certainly doesn't mean maybe that they want to or they could have a long-term relationship with a same-sex person, um, maybe if they choose to be a thruple or a poly, polyamorous mm-hmm. um, couple, but they can explore that without needing to say, okay, I now have to be single. You know, they can still be in a very loving, committed relationship and explore maybe that bisexual side um, without feeling ashamed. And was that your experience? Uh, that actually came much later. Um, I didn't actually realise I was bisexual proper until a few years into our journey. <laughs> so, right. uh, and, and, then, and then I went, oh, wow. Whereas some people do actually start this journey because of the fact that they, they have those uh, bisexual tendencies and then they lovingly share this with their partner and their partner is wanting to support them in exploring that. So some people start out immediately going, I'm bisexual or I'm this way and I definitely want to experience it. Some people start out saying, oh, my God, I really want a threesome or an orgy. Some people just start out as a couple going, okay, maybe we're empty nesters now. Like what can we, you know, what else is available in life for us? So there's so many ways that people Mm -hmm. approach it and, and it's always fun understanding how people came to be at that resort or at that club or at that party, you know, it's always really intriguing uh, how that happens. No, it sounds really liberating. And also your resort, so you're going to Jamaica, is it next week? Yeah, this Friday, um, hopefully yeah, with a bit of luck. Friday. With a bit of luck, we'll fly out of Amsterdam oh. Airport uh, with no dramas. Yeah, fingers crossed. Tell me how that, how a resort goes because that sounds like so much fun. Yeah, resorts are, uh, so there's major, there's major resorts in Mexico. And there's a major mm-hmm. resort in Jamaica. And then down here in Europe, we have a place called Cap d'Arg, which is in the south of France. That's actually a city. It's a location. And within Cap d'Arg, there are swingers groups that take over hotels there. So those are kind of the big ones around around the world. Mm-hmm. And um, what it looks like, so it's an all-inclusive resort. And at nighttime, mm-hmm. they have things like performers come on during the day. They'll have pool parties, that sort of thing. So if you imagine a standard all-inclusive resort, yeah, Th- that's what it looks like. Except the only difference is that uh, you've got a lot of naked people, um, so there's a lot of naked people <laughs> in the pool, and um, of a night time, people are there's playrooms on site as well. So there's actual dedicated playroom spaces where you can go watch and be watched if you choose to. And generally, you know, people are interested in connecting with you. So at a normal resort where it's all inclusive, and maybe you're there with your partner or your girlfriends you're probably just going to stick to being with your partner or your girlfriends. Whereas at one of these resorts, everybody's talking to each other because they're legitimately interested in your life story. So, and partying and dancing and stuff like that. So the, the resort itself really only serves as a place for people, like-minded people to meet. Um, And of course they foster that kind of a related environment with the theme nights and the dances and stuff like that. But ultimately it's just so you can be in that really open environment and meet other people. And, and a lot of them in and such how, a small space, you know, like if you, <laughs> you're you meeting hundreds of people in a, in a couple of days kind of thing. And how many people go? Like, did you say it was like 500? It depends on the size of the resort. So um, I do hotel takeovers in the United States, for example. Mm-hmm. We, we will buy a hotel for three nights, four days. Um, one of the hotels that I recently took over was 168 rooms. And so that'll be, you know, 320 odd people. Um, one next year is 101 rooms, so it'll be 202, 220 odd people that'll come to those hotel takeovers. Uh, the resort in Jamaica mm-hmm. is bigger. I think it's over 200 rooms off the top of my head. I actually don't know. It's my first time going to the one in Jamaica. I've been to the one in Mexico three times. Oh, and, that's exciting. Yeah. And so you can really have anywhere from, I would say from 140 to, depending on the size of the place, three, 400 people in Cup Dog, there's thousands and thousands of people there at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. so it does, it does depend. And there's a sort of a level of exclusivity on getting into these like resorts. You have to know the right person or is it kind of like travel companies for, or swingers? No, there are travel companies out there for swingers. We book direct. Um, so you could go on booking.com right now and, uh, find the links to the, the, the resort in Jamaica. It's not a hidden thing. Really? Yeah, yeah, because when you think about it, it's the same thing for the hotel takeovers. When you think about it, they have mm-hmm. to they they have to adhere by the law. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them are re- they they're registered businesses. They have accountants. They have bookkeepers. They have uh, legal teams on standby. You know, so 
they have to basically be a legitimate uh, business like any other hotel. So that's mm-hmm. that's why they're out there. So there are, however, some some events around the world um, and clubs around the world that are membership only. So there's one very popular yeah. one in, in New York City that everyone always it always ends up in the bloody news. I don't know why. Um, and to, to to get to that one, I think it's like thirty or forty thousand um, dollars. Oh my god! You know, so there are a few around the world that are quite membership driven. But uh, those are more mm-hmm. events, um, whereas the, the resort, you can go online and, and book it. Do you ever worry, like, as a female, that there's going to be someone that could turn up that has got, like, bad intentions? I actually, how do you kind of yeah. safeguard? Uh, so, so let, me, let, me, let me answer that question in a simple way and then I'll go into the deeper, the deeper side of it. I'm actually, I feel much, much safer being nude at a swingers mm-hmm. resort than I do in a nightclub. The amount of times that I have been groped in a nightclub, my ass has been touched. I actually had somebody put mm. their finger up my skirt and into my vulva I, in a nightclub walking around. And the reason, women. yeah, the reason no, that happens is because we, we just kind of allow it to occur as society. It's like, oh, boys will be boys. Well, no, consent really, really matters. And so, in the lifestyle, we take consent very, very seriously. And it's also self, it's it's self policed in a way, but we also have security on site. So, argument's sake, if I was at okay. a, cl- if I was at a club, and a guy did something untoward you can immediately bet that five or ten other men in the local vicinity would remove that guy because no one's here for that. We are very consent-driven. But on a, on, at, a club, at a club or at a resort, they have security for that as well. If I ever felt, very, if I ever felt unsafe, I would immediately go to the security and have that person mm-hmm. dealt with. Um, but what I will say is I've never had an incident personally um, at an event or at a club, but have I had them at normal vanilla nightclubs? Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> No, I think every woman has definitely had that experience for sure. Unfortunately. In a nightclub. It's really interesting. But also, like, while I was thinking if someone who did have bad intentions could turn up and, like, I don't know, like, turn up at this hotel in Jamaica, is there a way of sort of being like, oh, God, this guy, he's not cool. Like, he's not actually part of this lifestyle. He just wants to, like, see naked women. Yeah, so that, that, that it, it could be, I mean, so it, let's take the resorts in Mexico. Single men actually aren't, aren't permitted on site in Mexico. They're not allowed. Okay, cool. Um, the one in Jamaica is actually, it does allow single men, which is different for me. I've never been on a resort that allows single yeah. single men. Um, Cup Dog also, there's a lot of single men around. So what I would mm-hmm. say is that if a guy did turn up and say he was trying to, because having cameras on site is also against uh, rules. If you're found with a camera on site, you're immediately removed from property. So what I would say is that say a guy was turning up and he was trying to film people naked mm-hmm. or he was like standing in the bushes like jerking off or something really, you know, crazy yeah. like that, um, you would just immediately report him and he'd be removed. So I – you know, I, I wouldn't have a problem reporting somebody like that and, and I know everybody else feels the same way and uh, with the way that these places operate, they can't afford to have that kind of thing because you can imagine, say I went there, mm. I have a podcast, I've got a blog, I've got a YouTube channel, I go there, something happens, right? I'm going to talk to people about mm. that. They can't afford to have yeah. that happen. So it's better that some something like that did happen, it gets reported, the person gets removed and then I come on my podcast and I'm like, hey, this shitty thing happened, but you know the, yeah. the staff and the management and the security were onto it. Aren't they great? Versus, yeah. I come on and I say this happened, and nobody gave us nobody gave a shit. Like that, their reputation and the safety of their guests is paramount. They can't have that sort of thing happening, so they're very quick to jump on it. So that makes so much sense, actually. Um, and Kate, can I double check what your surname is? Yeah, we actually don't give that out online because being doxed, oh, okay. being doxed is a is a is a real a real thing in this lifestyle. Um, so generally okay, we, we use, fine. yeah, we Just use the last name. Kate and Daryl. Kate and Daryl, or you can put Kate Wanderlust swingers, whatever you like. Wanderlust. Okay. And um, can I, am I okay to take your age and Daryl's age too? Yeah, I'm 37, Daryl's 47. And is there anything else you want to mention that you want me to know about the lifestyle, about yourself, about anything we've spoken about really? Um, I will finish it with, because uh, we've spoken about a lot of the positive sides um, of the lifestyle mm-hmm. here on this on this episode or on this uh, you know interview. I will say it's not all rainbows and lollipops. You know, there are definitely hard times that can happen in terms of communication failures, etc., you know, I don't want to leave people with an idea that, you know, you're going to come into the lifestyle and everything's going to be fantastic. Sometimes there are really hard conversations. Sometimes that people do things that they they feel like they shouldn't do afterwards. Sometimes people get into this and they realize it's not 
for them. Um, so I just wanted to mention that, you know, it's, it is not all rainbows and lollipops. Can it be fantastic for some people? Absolutely. Is it for everybody? Absolutely not. You know, monogamy is better options for some people. Non-monogamy is better for others. So I wouldn't say that there's a, a one piece puzzle fits all. What I will say is communicate with your partner and decide what's right for you and your relationship. And have you ever had a personal experience of that, something that you thought you wanted to do and then you did it and you were like, oh, actually, no, that's not for me? Um, not sort of not for me, but probably when you first start, you do, even when you're in the lifestyle and you first have your, fir- your actual first physical experience with somebody, you're still pushing back on de- mm. decades of uh, your own shame and stigma. You know, you grow up and you're told mm. you get a partner and you, and you get the opposite sex partner and you get a child and you get a dog and a house and you get a picket fence and here you are, here's your Lego set and that's what you do. So when you first start exploring alternatives, sometimes you can come up against these really inbuilt shame factors and you're like, oh, hold on a second, I just did that, but I've been told for 25 years of my life that I shouldn't do that and then you're like, oh, my God, have I done something wrong? That could happen and that did definitely happen to me. The first time I was like, oh, my God, I shouldn't be sleeping with another man because my husband or he's my boyfriend at the time but, you know, I'm, this is wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong and then you're like, actually, he's st- he's standing there and he loves it, you know, and we're having, we're having this <laughs> experience together but some of that internal shame can, can kind of come up. Um, so I haven't experienced anything personally where I've been like I've tried it and, you know, I've gone definitely not going to do that again. Um but have I had friends do it? Absolutely. Um, and what I, that's another thing too. This doesn't inherently change you. If you try something and you go, I tried it, I don't like it, I'm not going to do it again, this hasn't really inherently changed you and you can walk away at any point in time. And just following on from that, I forgot to mention, I know you said you've received horrible hate comments on your TikTok. Yeah. And how do you kind of overcome these, do people say stuff about because of your lifestyle and how do you overcome these negative comments? Uh, it, it really depends. We, if people are attacking the way I choose to live my life, then mm. I, 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 I just, I just don't, I just leave them. And the reason being, again, is it's not for everybody. And those people may have spent 20, 30, 40, 50, even 60 years of their life believing that this is how you live. You're not going to change someone's mind in a tweet or in mm. a TikTok response in 20, 240 characters. You're just not going to do it. So I leave those people to their own devices. Um, I don't see it necessary to fight back because, again, my choice in lifestyle is not for everybody and I, and I don't see the point in making it for everybody. You know, I'd rather people that open their eyes and they can choose to be in the lifestyle or not or they can choose to be kink, BDSM, whatever that looks like for them. They can choose to be in a monogamous relationship. They can choose to be bisexual. Trans. I don't mind, you know. So for me, I'm not going to push back on how somebody else chooses and I'm not going to fight against how I choose. When it's more mm-hmm. personal attacks, you know, I get because I've got quite a, a, a large forehead and, um, you know, those sorts of things. And those are the things that people comment. They love to throw the, the physical appearance things uh, at you. And and that's just coming from a place of hate and just nastiness. So, again, I, I tend to leave those comments. I just don't see the value. You know, those people are lashing out. Um, they're being hateful on the internet. Like if I lived my life worrying about every single person that – doesn't necessarily think I'm their cup of tea, then I wouldn't get out of bed every day. Mm. What I do know is that I'm other people's cups of tea. I'm definitely my husband's cup of tea. Uh, He thinks (laughs) I'm beautiful and I'm many other people's cups of tea, you know. So you just have to water off a duck's back. But unfortunately, it is... It is one of the problems with putting, as we do, you know, we have our podcast on YouTube and we're out there on social media. And I know that what comes with that, educating people also comes Mm. with some of these hate comments and you just have to know that it's going to happen and not let it impact you as best you can. I mean, these, these hurtful physical comments, they get you to you sometimes, you know, you have your days where you're mm. like, why are people saying that stuff about me? But um, right. you just got to water off a duck's back some days. Oh, no, that's, it is horrible, isn't it? Just people on the internet can be <laughs> awful. But, um, and you and your husband, before, so is your full-time job now doing social media and podcasting and all the rest of it about swinking lifestyle. It's mine. It's my job. It's not my husband's job. So I run I run our events um, around the world and and do this podcasting stuff. I also run a few other businesses in the sex positive space and I also okay. can consult for a number of businesses in the sex positive space. So I've chosen now to surround myself with uh, companies and people that 
are body positive, are sex positive, mm-hmm. are lifestyle positive. That's what I've chosen to do. My husband is, whilst on the podcast, it's not his job at all. And what is his job? He is in uh, sales. So he's a director of sales. Works in sales. And has he, sorry, I know I keep asking more questions because you're so interested in, has he received like hate in his sort of corporate world environment? No, actually, um, he has been lucky to work for a number of very um, open-minded organisations and people. Um, my my previous job to actually coming out, because we only came out um, publicly, uh, we had the podcast for seven years, but we used to just not say our names or uh, right. we didn't show our faces anywhere. And um, three, mm-hmm. three years ago in, in 2019 was when I actually came out on social media and the reason I did that was because wow. I, I quit my job and my job that I had had a morality clause that would have absolutely 100% gotten me fired had somebody realised what we were doing. So it was back then I decided in 2019 to kind of uh, liberate myself a little bit and decide that this is the direction I want to go. And again, not a lot of people have that privilege. You know, I'm very privileged to be able to do that. Mm. Um, not a lot of people can do that. They can't come out online because of family, children, work, etc. And what was your job before? Uh, I was the uh, d- global director of operations for a company. Wow. And how did you feel that day where you like came out to the world? Good. I didn't make a big huzzah about it, actually. Some people choose to kind of go, finally, after years, here I am and my real yeah. name is Kate. And, and I actually just randomly put up a photo of us one day. Um, I didn't even say like, oh, here we are with our faces. I just put up a photo. I think it was m- me, Daryl and our dog out for coffee one day and that was it. You know, I didn't want to make oh. a big – I wanted to normalise it to the fact that we don't need to do a song and dance. If you're going to choose to do yeah. it, it should just be very organic. Uh, and so, I, yeah, I yeah, just – that's all I did. I think it was a oh, yeah photo you. of us and our adopted dog having a coffee at the local coffee shop. Oh, oh, I love that. Well, thank you so much, Kate. I feel like you've opened up a whole new world to me. It's so interesting. Um, so, yeah, I would love to write up a piece about what we've just spoken about. Um, if you would be able to send me like any photos of you and Daryl that you're happy to share in, like throughout your journey, um, the more the kind of better that just to like um, really put a face to your story um what I will do is I will write something up I can't say for certain when it will be sometime this week and what I can do is I can give you a read back so we can go through it and check you're all happy and okay with everything before it goes out yeah sure what I'll also do for you um Lydia as well I'm going to send you a map about the types of non-monogamy um it really helps to kind of see yeah so there's a lot of interest there's a lot of overlapping um, areas where it talks about, okay, what is polyamory? Uh, how does that overlap with non-monogamy? How might that overlap with swinging? What is open mm-hmm. relationships? So I'll send you this kind of mud map, if you will, on um, yeah, that's fab. Yeah, yeah, the different types and then you can kind of see what it's about. Yeah, no, that sounds wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Kate. No um, drums. I'll send you my email so then you can oh, send me I've got it, I've got it already that. because – Oh, yeah, of course. You have. Yeah. <laughs> we can work on that first. Yeah. All right, well, have a lovely rest of your day. Thanks and, so much. Um, and have a great time in Jamaica. I'll probably catch up with you before. You go on Friday, right? Yeah, we leave on Friday afternoon. So try and get this sorted before then because obviously you're not going to want to be doing work on holiday. But <laughs> awesome. All right, great. <laughs> it was great to speak with you. All Thank right, you. take care. Thanks, Lydia. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.